Hello and welcome to the Purple Rainbow Pancreatic Cancer podcast. My name is Leslie Goodburn. Series 2 will explore many different aspects of pancreatic cancer and we will meet patients, carers, nurses, doctors, oncologists, scientists, fundraisers and charity workers all working so hard to support people affected by the disease, developing research that might just be the breakthrough to extend and improve quality of life and maybe one day find a cure for a disease which has such low survival rates. So join me and Charlotte Foster, our resident podcaster from Charlotte Foster Productions, on the second journey of discovery into the world of pancreatic cancer. These podcasts are dedicated to the memory of my husband, Seth Goodburn, who died 33 short and heartbreaking days after diagnosis and are in support of Pancreatic Cancer UK. Here we are then, the second episode of Series 2 of Purple Rainbow Pancreatic Cancer Podcasts. Last time, you heard from people who were at the Pancreatic Cancer UK Annual Summit. And this week, it's a chance to hear from even more people who were there. Yeah, there were simply so many good stories that needed to be told. I wanted to make sure you didn't miss out on any of them. So it's a double special for the uh, Pancreatic Cancer UK Annual Summit. And it's stories like Roy's story that I wanted you to hear. Roy, he spoke to me about what it's like to be a survivor of pancreatic cancer. My symptoms started with vague pain in the abdomen area, uh, vague uh, constipation, diarrhoea, very obscure symptoms. And um, so I went to the doctor in the October and said, I've got this uh, tummy pain and he examined me very thoroughly, put me on the bed, lifted my shirt up, pressed and prodded and said I think you pulled your tummy muscle and of course I was only too pleased, I rushed out the surgery, happy but then it came back about the November, December, still these vague symptoms, um, went back in the January and I said I'm still not right, got this and they said oh we think you've got um, IBS and I thought I've never had any stomach problems in my life but she gave me medication for IBS I took them for two days felt awful packed them up and thought that's not right anyway thankfully went back in the February the third time and the doctors do talk of three strikes and then they do some action and thankfully they got the right one who said oh I'll send you for some further tests Um, and there was at that time a fast track um, for system for anyone over 60 for colon cancer and I just turned 60 in the January so I was lucky to fit the criteria and be put on this he said I'm not saying you've got colon cancer I said I don't care what I've got just find it so anyway I got sent for colonoscopies then eventually the CT scan and then that found the tumour on the pancreas Um, yeah what was it like getting the diagnosis? Obviously, it's been a, a long journey to get there. Was this a, a relief in in any way, shape, or form, or, or was it really scary? Yeah, I suppose it's a relief to know what it was, but it was really scary at the same time when the uh, when the consultant said, um, "We've, you know, we, right, we sat down, my wife and I, and he said, we um, we've done the CT, we've seen the shadow." He said, um, "We don't fully know, but there is a shadow on your pancreas." and like, we just froze on that um, think, oh, you know, you think, that's it, I'm on my way out you know, when they talk, when they talk of shadows they don't say tumours or whatever um, and we just sort of said, but we, and then, because I was at my local hospital he says, but we don't deal with it here 
Um, so don't worry, we'll send all this off to a specialist centre and someone will be in touch in due course. In fact, you've just given me the most earth-shattering news ever and then I'm expected to... Uh, I mean, my wife and I both picked ourselves up, shook his hand and said, thank you very much. Typical British sort of thing, stiff upper lip, walked out the door and as we closed the door behind us, we both felt that about crying. The, the nurse who had taken us in and came out with us took us into a side room to get us a cup of tea uh, and our whole world caved in sort of thing at that stage. Um, yeah, it's frightening, um, scary... Uh, and you're told that news and you're left out there with no support, no, you're just waiting to hear that thing. Um, and because my family were on the case and we'd try to chase it, find our contact, and we did eventually find a specialist nurse at the local hospital who said, oh, don't worry, I'll go to this MDT meeting, as they call it, this multidisciplinary team. And she... Um, was our go-between, and you know, but we had to constantly chase her and phoning, sending emails, leaving messages, saying any news, any news, any news, and eventually she said, oh, "Well, we think they're okay to operate, and you'll be hearing from the Royal Free." But again, it's like you'll be hearing. Don't worry, and of course you're worried to death. You want to get things moving quickly. Um, so yeah, it was a real, you know, for me, all the family, it was a real um, torrid time to go through. Um, but thankfully, we did get to the Royal Free. We did get approved for surgery. Um, had the surgery, in it, you know, followed by the chemo, and um, here I am, five years later, sort of thing. Yeah. How does it feel to be here five years later? Did you did you think that this would be the case that you'd still be around in five years? No, no, never for one minute thought. You know, when you come out of that major surgery, I mean, ten hours surgery, and when I woke up. Uh, you know, I, I say I had more lines coming out of me than London Underground sort of thing. Um, and the the feeling of that and then going through six months of chemo, which I really struggled with, and in my mind I'm thinking, oh, that's the cancer winning the battle, that's why the body's not taking the chemo. It's all those tricks in your mindset and thinking, you know, I'll be lucky to see Christmas, but I, well, the chemo ended in the December... Thankfully, I did see that Christmas, and I've since seen, you know, four others since there. Um, so hey, I'm really shocked and obviously pleased that I'm here and going strong. Um, obviously, you always know it's around the corner, and but you have to put that to the back of your mind to try and live your life, don't you? Um, yeah. So enjoy every day. Yeah. I was going to say, what would your message be to people who who are listening to the podcast today? It would be, enjoy every day, you just never know what's um, around the corner um, and try and keep as positive as you can. I know I'm one of the lucky few, that's why I try and do as much for pancreatic cancer um, to help other patients, other people that are coming up behind me, going through the same fears, emotions, worries that I've had, been through and maybe still go through. Um, but we all try and help each other. So my name's Karen Stead and I come from Wakefield in West Yorkshire. I was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer in 2010 and I became a member of the Patient Carer Board with PCUK probably about five years ago now and I also set up a support group called Pan Pals Yorkshire for pancreatic cancer patients anywhere in Yorkshire. What was it like for you uh, being, being told that you had pancreatic cancer? 
When I was first told I had pancreatic cancer, I'd actually been going backwards and forwards to the doctors for over nine months. So when they actually said, oh yes, we think there is something wrong with you after being told I hadn't got pancreatic cancer, you look a little bit yellow, so yes, there is something. Uh, getting told you got pancreatic cancer, we never really, we'd never heard of it, and we didn't really know what the pancreas did, apart from diabetics are affected when they have problems with pancreas. So it, it was a total shock. And then your thoughts automatically go to your family, you know, your children, uh, your parents, your sister, um, and how my poor husband was going to have to break the news to them. But yeah, it's, yeah. And then when you start looking at the statistics, uh, which I shouldn't have done really, but, and again, when your consultant says, you know, if you get to a year, you've done well, if you get to two years, that we, we didn't tell the children that at all. So yeah, then it hits home nine months and it took you to get a diagnosis what was that what was that like for you was it frustrating was it what was it what was going through your mind in those nine months did you know something was wrong i knew something was wrong um probably for over a year um stomachache backache feeling sickly um awful pains across my abdomen twice being told it was indigestion i knew there was something wrong but the gp just said maybe i was feeling sorry for myself because my husband was working away uh, my daughter had just moved away and actually maybe I should think about moving to the country and growing vegetables make me, may make me feel a lot better. I thought, don't think so. <laughs> so you went from being told to grow some vegetables to a pancreatic cancer diagnosis? Yeah, pretty, pretty bad but fortunately I was able to be uh, have surgery. But then afterwards there was lack of support there when I came out of the hospital. I couldn't find anybody to talk to who'd gone through it. The hospital couldn't give me details of anybody to talk to due to confidentiality reasons. Um, so it was hard. So when I felt strong enough, I decided I would try and set up a support group, which is hugely successful. And the hospital actually give the leaflets out. The surgeons advise people to come along. Um, and one of the two of the surgeons have actually been along to the meetings and asked our advice on things, which is lovely. And that's what it's about, isn't it? I, I guess lots of cancer diagnoses that end up with people feeling a little bit lost and a little bit lonely, but pancreatic cancer in particular feels like one of those underheard of and under-publicised cancers, so even harder for people to find the support initially, especially, you know, in 2010. Exactly, and the thing is there's not many people around. People have got pancreatic cancer, oh, it's a really bad one, that, you know, then they're not going to live. Um, so, yeah, it, it is tough, and people just presume that, the chances are you're going to die in a very short time, which unfortunately a lot of people, a lot of people do. So tell me about your support group. What do you do? What do you get up to? In our support group, we meet probably about every six weeks, two months, and people felt happier meeting at the hospital because we don't have any funding for it. Um, we have a dietitian come along. We have one of the nurses come along. We have coffee, cake, tea, biscuits, whatever we want, um, which we provide ourselves obviously. We have the support of um, one of the CNSs there and the support worker. And we just talk about our problems, get people in different stages of the, of the illness. Some are operable, some aren't operable, some are near end of life. But we just all support each other. It's not all doom and gloom, we have a good laugh. Um, and we have get togethers every so often as well out of the hospital environment, which is really good. Do people look up to you then as like a big sister almost, do you think? Last week, on it's International Women's Day, which I actually don't agree with. Um, I actually got told I was a, an inspiring woman. I think my husband and children will probably call me something else. Um, 
that yeah people do and now a lot of the medical profession as well they actually contact me which is good and how does that feel you know you're at home your phone goes and they're saying oh we want to talk to you it feels good but i still feel guilty that i'm still here i know that might seem strange but if it wasn't for people like me to be here to make contact with other people within within the charity we all work as a team and get out there and shout about it what would you like to see change i know you said there's lack of support if you could wave a magic wand and fix one of the problems around people with pancreatic cancer what would it be it would be to diagnose earlier believe your patients don't be a gp who just thinks you know it's this that or the other uh, believe your patient get them tested and I was lucky I was treated from diagnosis to um, surgery within 10 days. But again, treating people in time and finding a, an actual chemotherapy that will work. And that's difficult, isn't it? It is, yeah, it's very difficult as we've heard today. Um, a lot of research going on, which is great, all these young, inspiring people. So it's wonderful. How does an event like this make you feel though? It makes me feel proud that I'm part of the association when medical professionals so many supporters patients um relatives who've lost loved ones it just makes me feel good my name is jean um i was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer in 2013 not able to have surgery but i've survived five years and i'm very pleased about that i was about to ask a really stupid question like well how does that feel to be to survive but then i'm thinking actually no that isn't as daft as it sounds is it no no it's it's um it's good that I have survived so long, but that brings its own pressures in. Um, you're always thinking, well, I've survived five years. Not many people do. Is something just around the corner? Is it going to come back? Is it going to be um, an at the end sort of thing? So, no, I do, I do feel very, very grateful that I have survived this long. But then there is always that at the back of your mind. Well, have I got much longer? Will it come back soon? If you don't mind uh, talking about it, how was it? How did you get diagnosed? What did what sort of symptoms were you showing, and how long did it take? I was first diagnosed um, very quickly because I think mainly down to the fact that I'd had I'd been taking lansoprazole for about a year, which had been brilliant. But then it should stop working, and then I started having the back pain, not the normal back pain you like you get with backache, the specific back pain, and I went to my doctor and I saw a locum and I thought I was very fortunate there because she was obviously very thorough and she sent me for the endoscopy first of all and then the CT scan and I did speak to my own GP afterwards and he said he admitted that he probably would have just said take two lansoprazole so I may not have been diagnosed at stage one which I was so that is very very fortunate for me. Someone was looking down on you weren't they that day? I think, I think they were that day yes certainly yes. You're here now, so how have the last five years been? I know you sort of said you, you, you kind of wake up every day and go, what's going to happen next? But what have the last five years been like for you? I don't think about the diagnosis very much now. Um, I've accepted that, yes, it will come back at some stage and um, it may happen very quickly and that the from, you know, from the new onset um, symptoms, it, I may go downhill very quickly. But I try not to think about that as, a, as an everyday occurrence. I just think, well, yes, I'm here today. What have I got to do today? Who have I got to see? I've got lots of friends and lovely family and grandchildren. So really, that's what keeps me going. And of course, the fundraising and the awareness stands I do, that all keeps me going. 
to if I if I if I've got to die of it, I would rather help someone else so that they don't have to die of it. What a great attitude <laughs> to have. Oh, that's fantastic. So tell me a little bit about the fundraising you do. I've done all sorts of fundraisers. I started off with the, the, the walks, but I'm afraid I can't do that anymore. Um, my latest one, I did my birthday as a fundraiser last year. Raised quite a lot of money for that. And then um, my big challenge was in September, no, sorry, November, when it was Awareness Month, when I held a snake and I was terrified of them. But I, I raised a lot of money for that, so I was re really pleased. And I do the um, lighting up of uh, Clifford's Tower in York every year. So hopefully that will continue and I'm trying to get other things um, lit up again this year. But I have got a surprise fundraiser this year, which hasn't been announced yet. There's been a lot of work behind it. So, um, yeah. I can't wait to find out. <laughs> What's been the best one that you've done then, the most fun fundraising? Oh, I think my birthday last year. That was, we had a, a wonderful... Um, wonderful evening but I had lots of support from friends and family but lots of support from businesses in York and um, it's been a big tourist town lots of um, attractions gave tickets and everything so that that was really was fun it was a wonderful evening but I did enjoy the snake in the end at least I'm not frightened of them anymore and you've uh, you're clutching the, a box what's inside this box that it's you're holding right. it's my star award for my fundraising and um and awareness that i've been doing it's a wonderful surprise i didn't know that i'd been nominated but i didn't go on second think i would win so i was really really pleased it's an honor to uh, to work with pancreatic cancer uk to to do the awareness and the fundraising Exactly. How important is it that you do the fundraising and the awareness? Because the awareness is almost as important as the fundraising, isn't it? The awareness is very important. So when I was first diagnosed, I knew nothing about pancreatic, or even the pancreas. Apart from that, it did something to do with insulin, but I knew nothing. So I had to work through and, and find out myself about all this. And there's far too many people have no idea what pancreatic cancer is. And there's certainly no idea what a big killer it is. So raising awareness has been great. It's um, met lots of lovely people, um, and really, it's, I think I don't think there's anybody in York who hasn't heard of pancreatic cancer. And that's down to you. Well, yes, yeah. partly down to me. Yes. <laughs> My name's Lynn Quigley, and I'm the community coordinator in the Northwest for Pancreatic Cancer UK. So, a community coordinator is someone that will go out into the community and they'll represent the charity, and very importantly, be there for patients and carers and supporters. It's a very varied role and one um, which I'm exceptionally passionate about. You're almost like a big sister, aren't you? In the, or, or an aunt. I think I'd like to be there in a, just as a support in whatever guise that may be. Um, hopefully a friendly face, just to be able to guide them in the right direction. People sometimes come to me that are so lost, absolutely no idea where to go. For help and support and it's also having that knowledge of what's available even outside of the pancreatic cancer uk remit for example you know i often signpost people through to visiting the local maggie centers where they can go for relaxation and, and advice and also macmillan um, information centers where i'm based quite a lot as well in different hospitals um, they're there for the very practical things like um, you know, a finance review, making sure they're getting all the benefits they're entitled to, which is equally important as well. But um, whether I'm an agony aunt or whether I'm a, a sister, most importantly, I think I'd just like to make sure that people know that I'm there and that more importantly, even still, that the organisation's there for them and they're just 
hell-bent on making sure that they make the difference and hopefully make things easier in, in any f small part for them on their journey as well so yeah when you applied for the job what did you imagine it would be like <laughs> anything like it is um I was so lucky and so excited to get the job because um, it was a relatively new role. So literally it was about making it your own. So yes, there were clear guidelines as to what the role should be and what we could deliver. But, um, you know, it's so much more than that. It's, it's you, you get out what you put in, quite simply. Um, you know, for example, when it's Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month, it's one of our busiest times. So. Um, in some part then we're, we're kind of trying out new things, whether it be, you know, in a shopping arcade with an awareness stand or, you know, lighting up Blackpool Tower, for example, to make a statement. But in answer to your question, I think it surpassed all my expectations and more. I get to meet some very privileged to meet some amazing people, um, superb supporters, patients who I've gone through surgery, for example, one patient just recently, he's, I've witnessed him ring that bell, which is so, so important. And for him now, he's starting a fresh life, take on life, um, but he's also looking to support us to raise awareness, and he has, and um, I'm constantly inspired every day. So, yeah, very grateful. Thank you. <laughs> I bet it doesn't feel like going to work sometimes either, does it? You know how people say, oh, I dread Monday morning. You, you mustn't. No, not at all. I think the week's so varied as well. So because I cover the five counties in the northwest, I could be up in Cumbria, down in Cheshire, you know, and then at home doing some research work or making appointments and engaging with health professionals. Um, again, another part is to go out and deliver talks, you know. So I could be one week at a, a rugby club or I could be the other week at... Um, you know, um, sort of a, a, another club, a women's institute club, you know, giving an awareness talk about symptoms. And I hear they're very similar rugby clubs and WIs. <laughs> I could not divulge that. <laughs> I couldn't share that insight. <laughs> but yeah, you know, Rotary as well, they're super supportive. They're enabling us to go to their different meetings and just share information and make people more aware of uh, of the symptoms and such and a lot of our corporate fundraisers do the same you know through our occupational health teams they'll have us go in and do an awareness talk um, the more people are aware of the symptoms the better you know we're not there to scare people we're just make to, there to make people aware and it's hugely important um, so yeah my week is exceptionally varied I think you know one of the most rewarding, scarily enough, was stood at a Moorfields train station when it was Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month last year and the amount of people that just wanted to know more um, and I just hope in part that at least you know somebody will benefit from that and uh, pick up on symptoms if they are in that situation and get diagnosed earlier, that's the most important thing. My name is Lynn Walker, I am the current chair of the Board of Trustees of Pancreatic Cancer UK and a survivor of pancreatic cancer. Yes, indeed, 2019 marks my 10th year. Somewhat surprising, but I'm still here. <laughs> so, Lynn, what made you get involved with the charity? Well, um, I was diagnosed in 2009 and ill for a very long time. And when I sort of came back to being me, um, I, uh, it was clear I couldn't go back to work. 
But I have certain skill sets and uh, I felt strongly about what had happened to me. And um, it sounds like a cliche, but it's true to say I just wanted to contribute and make a bit of a difference for other people who found themselves in my situation. So I applied to join the Board of Trustees of Pancreatic Cancer UK and I did finally join the board in 2015 and um, as a survivor the trustee board felt it would be very useful if uh, as a survivor I'd be willing to take on the role of chair and I'm honoured to fill that role now. So that's how I came to be involved. And what is it that you do then as chair? What, do, what does that role involve? Okay, well it could simply be turn up once a quarter, chair, read the papers, chair a meeting, say thank you very much and leave the building. But um, that is not how uh, I see the role and I don't think any decent chair should. But um, So yes, there is the mechanical side of it, so there's the business side of it if you like. Um, the trustees meet quarterly, that's very important. Uh, and the Finance Committee meets quarterly too. So there are eight meetings a year. That's before we start anything else. But essentially the Board of Trustees is responsible for the governance of the charity. So uh, we answer to the Charity Commission, if you like, uh, and we take our governance responsibilities very seriously. We want to run a good charity in every respect. Being a survivor, though, of course, I've got lots of interests in... Uh, supporting different aspects of the charity's work. So when I can, uh, I join uh, fundraising efforts. Um, I've done one or two of those myself, and that's been quite fun. Um, um, I go along and meet people who've been very kind to give us large sums of money. And that's a nice part of the job, obviously. Um, with a particular skill set from my professional life in education and training and related things, I'm able to contribute by chairing our summit each year, uh, which is a job I love doing, meeting people and um, you know, helping that day. Uh, and I do that on a couple of other events during the year. So I probably give the charity two days a week or the equivalent, roughly. Uh, it's quite a lot, but it's, it's not forever. And I'm, you know, there'll be a time when it's appropriate to stop. How has the charity moved on and developed over the time you've been around? Oh, well, um, uh, well, I guess one important way in which we've developed is we've been able, with our wonderful supporter base, to raise more money. And when we raise more money, we can do more good work. So we invest my million a year in research. We run an ever-growing support line for people who find themselves in the desperate situation of getting a pancreatic cancer diagnosis. And I know how much people value being able to support, uh, talk to a support uh, nurse uh, because they're real experts. Um, and we advocate, um, you know, it is a, a, an awful disease with terrible survival rates um, and it needs shouting about. So we are um, advocating wherever we can. I won't say we're making a nuisance of ourselves, but we are, we are getting out there and into people's email inboxes and into meetings and asking the difficult questions because, you know, we should. Um, so, yes, yeah, so all that, um, I guess each year that comes, uh, we do more of that because we're very generously supported by people who do everything from baking purple cakes to selling mugs to running marathons to, oh, I don't know, shaving their hair, dyeing their hair purple. Uh, you name it, people think of it. It's just brilliant. So, you know, it might be 30 quid, it might be 30,000, but every penny helps.
And it truly is, isn't it? Every single penny does help, yeah, doesn't it? Because I, mean, it does. I think some people worry that they can't give enough. Yeah. yeah, well, you can never give enough because in order to deal with a cancer like ours, we need multiple millions and nobody's got it. So, um, yeah, I would say every penny counts because, you know, if you can give a fiver, we can put that to good use by, you know, perhaps... Uh, you know, putting, posting something on social media, paying for an hour of somebody's time or half an hour of somebody's time or whatever it takes to do a, a job, an aspect of something that draws attention to the cancer. So, yeah, and if you give us 30,000, well, well, we'll certainly spend that probably on a research project or maybe a job, maybe another nurse to help. Um, so, yeah, it, it really doesn't matter how much. It's the fact that people will put themselves out there and uh, and put themselves out, really, uh, in the in a great cause. How would you like to see the next five years of the charity? How what would you like to see develop next? Come next along. Um, oh yeah. Well, for the charity, um, we are absolutely determined to try and do our best to double su double survival rates. And um, I'm afraid that a lot of that will come down to raising money. So. You know, we have a growing fundraising department and I know that people might say, well, what are you spending money on people for? But actually those people are our life. They bring in millions and we put it to good use. So um, we've got to go on raising money. Um, and that's uh, something that we're very c committed to as a charity. Um, we are also, we're just in the process of uh, designing our next five year strategy. And uh, when you talk about what when we talk about what we do, it is very hard to find anything that anybody wants to stop. So we are going to go on advocating. We're going to go on raising money, and we're going to go on uh, providing support and and funding research. So more of the same, but just more of it, really. I think on the cancer front, um, we you you know we've heard today at our summit how collaboration is the key. We have got to get people talking to each other. We've got to get over some of the defensiveness that there is in the medical profession and some of the kind of, don't look at my homework, my arms around this, you're not seeing what I'm doing. I think in pancreatic cancer, there's less of that because it's so desperate. But more broadly, we need more collaboration. So I think we should do everything we can to, to see that. From collaboration will come results. We're a long way from a cure, a very long way. But if we could get closer to a blood test or a urine test in the foreseeable future, then that would be uh, really life-changing for so many. One of the things I hear a lot of from people who are survivors or people who are going through diagnosis is that to start with, nine times out of 10 they go, and I'd never really heard about the pancreas or I didn't know really what the pancreas does. I know it's something to do with insulin maybe. and, and it, so where do you think the education and the awareness needs to start? Mm. Yeah, well, we produce a, a little pamphlet, a little post A4 poster, which has got the kind of four, four bits of information, four or five bits of information about what a pancreas is and does. I didn't know where my pancreas was when somebody mentioned it. And I wasn't even sure, I suppose, when it was pointed out that, yes, it produ helps produce insulin, amongst other things. I kind of went, oh, OK, oh, OK, that's how it works. Um, so yes, we need we need massive amounts of um, public awareness, and um, you know we can do that by using social media, which obviously is something which is uh, relatively new but incredibly powerful. Um, 
we can do it by, uh, you say, making our voice louder. But yeah, we do need to educate the public. So we want to see a poster up in every GP surgery. Um, and, uh, you know, remind people that if they've got some of these symptoms, again, we've got a little chart that says if you've got these five things or two or three of them, you really do need to talk to your doctor. So, yeah, there's plenty to be done on, on that front. Absolutely. I just think as a, uh, a human race, there are very few people who really understand how their body works until it doesn't. I think you're very right there, completely. You <laughs> might um, just take it for granted. My dad had a stroke when he was 51 and I was 17, or just turning 17 at the time. And one of the things both of us did, because I very much take after my dad in this sense, I learned a lot about how the brain works, how the blood works, and all of that. And my dad and my dad's reaction to it was, right, I'm going to learn yes. what, you know, that side of things. Funnily enough, my sister became an occupational therapist <laughs> as a result yes. of this. But I think that you're right in saying that, you know, people carry on until you need to, mm. until you need the, the the sort of the bit back, don't you? Um, also, people always say support. They just want some support, and I keep hearing how well pancreatic cancer uk does with the support groups the support lines yeah. how important is it do you think as somebody who's been there and done that oh i feel absolutely passionate about it i i really do uh when i was diagnosed a young doctor sat there with a blank sheet of a4 drew out a, a map of my innards and told me the bits i wouldn't have anymore and thank you and goodbye and that was it bless her i mean you know no that's just how it was there wasn't a helpline, there wasn't any information. It was only later on. And, you know, I, I am well-educated, well-highly-qualified person, completely and utterly at sea. So I understand really well what it's like. You just don't, I mean, you just feel like you've been hit by a sledgehammer. Anybody who's had a serious diagnosis feels the same. But when they say pancreatic cancer, your first thought is, oh God, I'm gonna die. Um, so, yes, I feel passionate about, passionately about it. We produce a whole range of information which is really accessible and it's been written with patients and carers in mind, but also with their help. So actually, it, you know, the, even the nice guidelines are written in English that I can understand, certainly. Uh, you know, things like that are absolutely vital. And we've, we've mentioned the support line earlier on. Um, I am very committed to the charity developing that service further. I, I do want us to see more. Demand is growing all the time. So, you know, we've obviously got the message out there. We need to try and meet it. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's one of our very important functions. As well as, you know, people, when people say, uh, people I've been talking to today, you know, and they sort of mention about support and how important that is. Also, I keep hearing the word hope. And certainly in the previous series of, of the podcast, hope was the strong theme that comes through yeah. how important do you think hope is and do you think there is hope uh, I think it's very important and yes I do think there is I mean I, lots of what you hear I would say relates to the experience I had 10 years ago so there are some things that still aren't very good and you could you could get very depressed about it but actually there are so many other things that are going on which do offer opportunities and hope. There's so much research which is looking at things that have been successful with other cancers. And although pancreatic cancer is a very specific and very difficult cancer to deal with, people are out there working really hard to say, that worked there, this worked here, that worked. Can we get that together? And that's a movement that's re fairly recent. And I do think, you know, 
momentum is important and I do feel that there is a momentum. I think we are as a community uh, stronger with a voice now that that as today has illustrated again, we've, we've heard from the guy who's leading the cancer element of the NHS plan. Yes, you know, we've got a voice in there. We have been heard. I've just talked to him again and he, you know, he's made the point. The first person almost through the door when he got the job was Diana, our chief exec. Fantastic. Let's keep that going. So, yeah, there is hope. You've got, you've, got to, you've got to believe it. And if you look around the room today, there are lots of people who've had cancer and are still alive and living good lives. I hope you enjoyed this extra episode of More Stories from the Pancreatic Cancer UK Annual Summit. hope you'll agree with me that there is hope I know we keep saying that, but that is something that always, always comes across. And just, you know, thank you to everybody who spoke to me on the day and uh, gave up their time on what was a very busy day. You'll hear in the background on some of those interviews. It was a very busy day um, and lots of people were doing lots of things. And they had me thrusting a microphone in their face and asking them some very personal questions at times. So I really do appreciate everybody who has shared their story. Of course, lots more to come in this series. Uh, We're going to be hearing from um, lots of different people, all of whom have had lives affected by pancreatic cancer in some way, shape or form. Until next time, speak soon. Mm